talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And we're back. Welcome to Messy Christianity. Take do, part do. Gentlemen, how are you today? Doing well. Good. All righty. Fantastic. Let's jump right into it because this is a tough one. So a lot of times there is a scripture in the Old Testament that's used. It's, it's uh, dealing with, uh, it, it's, gosh, I can't call the reference. I should have looked it up. It's when um, uh, Paul, excuse me, when Saul, King Saul chases after David in the cave and he goes in to relieve himself and David could have killed him. And the answer that David gives for not killing Saul was this. I will not touch the Lord's de- um, anointed, right? And so we hear that a lot when it comes to pastors and and uh, pe- people in ministry positions, that they're the Lord's anointed, so we just let God deal with them, let's not do anything. Now, to be honest with you, our culture has drastically shifted away from that to sometimes the, the other extreme, but but there's a, there's a medium, isn't there? There there's a There's a need for us to deal with issues when it comes to pastors. Um, and, I, and when I say pastors, I'm talking generally, not just lead pastor, but it could be any, any ministry leadership position of, of a pastoral nature. Um, we need to, sometimes we need to deal with those issues, but how we deal with them is of utmost importance. So that is the question today. How do I confront my pastor? Before we say that, I, I wonder, I, I, don't, I don't know if culturally... We really do have that that stance anymore. What, kind of what you mentioned the, a moment touch ago. Touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah, I, I think that is still very. I think in a lot of churches, in a lot in our Christian culture, in our worldly culture here in the United States, I would say that's not in effect anymore. You do something wrong, it's everywhere. But but in our churches, I don't I don't. I think we still view those. Uh, those in a leadership position as the anointed, and we do not have a right to question uh, outside of maybe a few people feeling they they, they just they want to pick and, and prod. But quite honestly, the majority of people would just leave if they have an issue with a pastor. Yeah. They're just going to up and leave. They're not going to confront it. They're not going to have yeah. a they're not going to have a conversation. They're just gone today. And and you know a month later, two months later people start to realize that they're not there anymore. And it's, well, I had this issue with the pastor, or I disagreed with, with his stance on A, B, or C, or I disagreed theologically with one, two, or three, and there's never really a, a discussion. So part of that, I think, is because of the of the anointing part of it. It could be that people just view it as not worth the fight. Yeah. Oh, so very true. In fact, I would say 90% of the people uh, from our church who, who leave— they just leave without a trace. They just disappear, yeah. never hear a word. And I try very hard to, to make contact and say, hey, can we just talk and find out why? Mainly be, for two reasons. One, I want to ensure their health, spiritual health and physical health, but I also want to know that, hey, if there's something that I did or we did, that, then if we can't, if we can correct it, then we would like to do that. But you're right. I think just leaving, which is part of the issue that we're talking about, how do I confront the past? Because Because there seems to be... For some people, perhaps an intimidation there of, um, you know what, I don't want the confrontation. And that may or may not specifically be because they're a pastor, but it also could be because of that, because of the, the, the position or the, you know, per, the person so visible or whatever. 
I feel like this is a really, really big question because how do you confront the pastor? Um, Maybe we should start with what to confront things that need to be confronted right. about. Is that where you're? Well, yeah, kind of. I was kind of thinking that because it's it's there are there are some things that need to be confronted mm-hmm. that, that are uh, heresy, uh, moral failure, you know, big big stuff. But even that, um, my advice because the question on the table is how do you confront your pastor if it's something big like that. Um, then I think it is not just doing it as an individual, but it would be with, you know, a couple others. And those couple of others would be, uh, lack of a better word, prominent elders in the, in the congregation that godly people, not just, you know, (laughs) your best friend gossipers that come along with you. It would be, uh, some godly people that, um, could deal with that situation. So I always try to follow the biblical advice of first talking about it to everybody in the church, sure. and then when a Spread business meeting comes, bring it up. That Raise way your you'll have your enough supporters. Yeah. To, and, and invite all the people who haven't been in a yes, long yes, time yes. To, to that business meeting. So. You know, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but that yeah, actually that is uh, quite a, a standard yeah. for, yeah. at least it used to be anyways. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Confronting Confronts a harsh word. I was thinking the same thing. I was even thinking, how do we have a hard conversation? That would yeah. be better, yeah. With, with yeah. the pastor, because confrontation means we both come in there and somebody's offended, yeah. and we're ready yeah. to fight. Yeah. And some of the some of the things really are they're just they're hard conversations that if I don't have a relationship with a pastor, and that's another thing. You've got some people that go to churches where it's a small family type of church. And there's 50, 60, 100 mm-hmm. people there, and that's it. And it really feels like a family, and everybody knows the pastor. And then you've got those medium-sized churches where it's two, mm-hmm. 200, 250, 300, 500. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they, they see the pastor. They may even shake the pastor's hand on a regular basis, but there's not a real connection. Right. And then you've got the, the big church pastors yeah. where— I see this person on a stage. Outside of that, I've never shaken their hand. I've never yeah. had a personal conversation. What do I do in that situation as well? Right. I think in the big ones like that, if I'm just a, a church member that's coming, they're probably just going to leave. They're not going to confront it. Yeah, probably. In, in a big, big, big church like that, um, I would imagine. Yeah, so how do we have the hard conversations? I think the first thing would be determine if the offense— is worth a hard conversation. It could be a preference thing. And I would say matters of preference, unless you have a good relationship with a pastor, they're not really probably uh, as important to deal with. Because here's what's going to happen. Your pastor is going to have five other individual preferences. And he's going to say, okay, which of the five of you should I try to please? Right. And frankly, as a, I distinctly remember as a staff, we decided we were going to stop trying to please people's preferences and we're going to do what God calls us to do. And and that's that that sounds like a hard line, but really it was the only way for us to keep from just being people pleasers. Because mm-hmm. one person wants it louder, one person wants it softer, one person wants more lights, the other person Hot wants colder, less yeah. lights, one yeah. person wants it colder, praise yeah. God for them. <laughs> I mean, so so we had to stop really doing things based on what people wanted and we had to look at the bigger picture going what is the right thing to do as best as we can tell one for instance is we don't do flashing lights and so we made the decision we're not going to do flashing light shows anymore because primarily we did it yeah autism and this kind of seizures we found out that was a 
harmful. So anyway, yeah, the, and that and that's the reason why yeah. we didn't do it because somebody asked us not to. Yeah. Now we did listen. Yeah. But we also listened to those that said, "Hey, man, we we really would like some a cooler right. lighting effect." Yeah. And we go, you know what? You th- these are decisions. polar opposites. Right. So how do we make the decision? Well, the bigger question is how do we best love the people of the church? Right. Well, the best way to love those with autism is to not have things that could throw them into a seizure or 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 cause them to be in a in a in a bad in a bad place. So mm-hmm. that that's just one simple decision. But there are, are a thousand different things that are preference issues. You know, color colors, <laughs> uh decorations. We, we just did it with the roof. You yep. know, we just did this with our tin roof out there. We we made a color decision. Yep. And but now how, how do we make that decision? Well, we passed it around to a few people, key leader kind of people, didn't didn't put it out there in front of the whole con- to vote because we got 18 different opinions, and we had to honestly get it done. We really did. That was so, a... But it wasn't just like Jeff said, okay, this is the color. Done. My way or the highway. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, the, you know, handful. I don't know, five or six yeah, people. Yeah, probably five or six yeah. people. Here's a color palette. What yeah. do you think would look yeah. best on the buildings? Yeah. And most everybody was within the same... The one or two. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. the first thing is issues of um, issues of preference... If you have a relationship, go ahead and share it. If you don't have a relationship, your pastor would probably like to hear it, maybe even even as well, as long as it comes across with a recognition of, hey, I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm just saying that maybe you could think about this. The way you approach it makes a big difference because people forget that pastors are humans. They have emotions. They have I don't bad de- yeah dinosaur <laughs> robot. That's right. But you know it yeah. it, it is true. We sure. When you approach is important. Listen, folks, for all of you out, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I know you? exactly what you're Go ahead and say Do it. Do yeah. not, under any circumstance, come to your pastor five minutes before the service starts and start talking about a preference issue. I promise you that is not the way to be heard. That's the way to be put that's the way to be marginalized. I don't, I don't know where I heard that. I don't know where I heard this years ago. I heard it, and I've put this in practice now for the last ten or plus years of my ministry. So this is for the ministers out there. The way I handle that situation now is I, I tell the person, I promise you, I'm gonna forget everything you're saying right now. If you want me to hear this, could you email me this information, yep. and I'll respond to you this week. I do it in a nice way, but that because I will absolutely forget it, um, or I'll remember it the whole service, and it'll bother me. One of the yeah, two. Hey, have you, Brent, yeah. you, you or Kevin, have you ever had somebody come and complain to you yes. literally moments before I've had the, them in service the, of, the service was starting? I was going to say, I've yeah. had that in, in, during service as yeah. well. What does that do to your heart? I mean, we know, but just for the people listening, let's explain what that really does or can we, do. Rather. The best we do, we try, honestly, we, we, we try to prepare ourselves spiritually for a Sunday morning. We the three of us in this room, I know we do. We take it very serious that we're standing in front of the people and hopefully delivering a message that God has given us for that day, whether it be through music or through speaking or whatever it may be. When that kind of thing happens, um, it's possible that the whole thing is being short-circuited. I mean, that because now my emotions get in the way of the receptivity that I possibly am having from God to flowing through me. And I don't like that. I don't think it's right, but I'm human, yeah. you know? And let's also clarify that there's a difference between being prepared through study. I've 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 done my homework. I yeah. I know what to say, when to say. I have a 
outline, however that preparation is in our head, it's a separate preparation. Although they're together, there is a separate preparation of our hearts, yeah. of our spirit. And although for me personally, if I'm preparing two or three days ahead of time, a week ahead of time, even a month ahead of time sometimes for a set of messages that's going, going to be prepared, that's that head knowledge of preparation. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing ahead of time. It's not happenstance. It's, it's not, hey, let's just see what I feel like speaking in right. five minutes and, and go from there. There is a lot of preparation that goes from that perspective. But the spiritual preparation is, in some ways, it is tied into the emotional. And it they're different, but they're they're similar. And so as we're preparing for the day, let's take a, a Sunday for an example, because that's when the majority of folks do to go to a church that go to a church on a regular basis. The staff, the, the, the pastors, the music leaders, those who are in leadership positions who are attempting to prepare spiritually, they're not waiting five minutes before the service right. gets started. Right. They're not waiting. Well, let's let's or right, let's wait for the music to start, and then as the music starts, all right, now I'm going to get ready. Yeah. Now we're going to focus. Our preparation is a day ahead of time, and it's that morning, and it's and it's rising, and and our hearts and our thoughts are on it the entire time. And then as we're preparing to to lead in whatever capacity we're called to lead, when negatives come in, and negatives do come in, it, it is a, it's a part. Mm-hmm. This is this is a job. As well as a calling, mm-hmm. and and during our jobs, negative things come in, and so we guard our hearts and try not to. So the example that you gave a minute ago, Kevin, of saying I'm going to forget that, that's a way of guarding yeah. your heart yep. and and your spirit, so that as you're preparing, mm-hmm. and so we you know, even from the stage, all three of us have said many times, if you're waiting till you get here to start preparing. Your expectation is going to be mm-hmm. kind of low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you prepare ahead of time, then you have great expectation of what God's going mm-hmm. to do in the service through others, but also in our own heart. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing as spiritual leaders. We have to. Mm-hmm. How can we not and expect more from the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So there's there's that balance of preparation that can be thrown into a train wreck through through, through lights crashing or power going out or people having you know having having things and so. It, it's a difficult situation many times. But we let's peel the curtain back a little bit because you kind of alluded to this. We have our ideal, and then we have our reality. Because yeah. if we have kids, our kids are going to throw up on us on the way. I mean, you know, it, it's not like we have this special, pa- special pastor protection that says, <laughs> you know what, I'm, I'm called by God today to deliver his word, therefore I'm protected by a hedge, yeah. hedge of... Protection, uh, yes. uh, of invisible protection. Yeah. That's you why know. we drive separately on Sundays. <laughs> hey, well, you know, that's actually, actually absolutely right. Um, and that's why I have a one-and-a-half-minute drive as opposed to a ten-minute drive because it just there's too many things. So uh, I guess we've kind of strayed a little bit off, but, but approaching your pastor on Sunday at all, if, if you do it beforehand— it's it's probably not it's not the best time, especially if it's a complaint. If you do it afterwards, it's not the best time either, because that's the moment which number one, people don't realize the amount of energy it takes to lead worship, either by music or by preaching. Mm-hmm. It literally takes every ounce of energy. You can't understand it unless you do it. If you're a public speaker, then you you know a little bit more of it. But imagine the spiritual weight. And just the physical exertion of standing before a crowd for an hour, and if you do more than one service, for two hours. Mm -hmm. But then also having all the emotions of trying to... 
because we want to be present with people. The, we want to be mm-hmm. present with the person in front of us. Right. And we also know that there's a line of people waiting to talk. Right. Not because we're special, it's just because that's that's the nature of our of our role, right? right? Yeah. And so you want to you want to give the person in front of you is all of you, but you also don't want to not have a chance to talk to the other people cuz here's what's going through the back of your mind. One of these other people might be on the verge of a decision or or they might be on the verge of of something and they and you're you're th- this sounds like we're we're the savior it's not but but the reality is you might have somebody there that's on the verge of a major decision and you're the last stop before they decide to jump off the cliff does that make sense if somebody comes to me on a sunday afterwards and they're wanted and it's a complaint I, I, i'm typically uh my eyes are going back and forth and i'm looking for somebody new or somebody who I know I need to have that conversation with. Come on, with. You're, you're just giving somebody the eyes to come and rescue you. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> the great diverter. <laughs> that's happened. If I pull my ear, then come get me. Yeah. So, um, but, like baseball signals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I am. I'm looking for, for that conversation. So if, if there's a, a serious, hard, hard conversation that has to happen right then, it, even then I'm not going to be and, – and you know what? The person could be – what they're coming with could be – Right, and something sure. needs to be talked about. It's just not a good time because I'm thinking about so many other things in that present moment. I'm not going to be present with them. And you also have other people right there listening. Yeah. Those kind of conversations are not public conversations. Right. Right. So one of the first rules then would be to set an appointment up. Yeah. Yeah. Through phone conversation, texting, emailing, yeah. set up an appointment to have a conversation, schedule a significant amount of time, an hour, two hours, yeah. whatever you think is going to take to have this fleshed out. Because as you have a, a hard conversation with anybody, much less a pastor, but, but with anyone, you need to be able to, to receive and hear what the feedback is as well. So it has to be a dialogue because if we come across with a hard conversation, but it's just one-sided, I don't care what you have to say. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear what you say. I'm just venting. Then it's not even a conversation. Yeah. I would recommend, too, that you don't have confrontational conversations in the pastor's office. Have them in a neutral place. And here's why. There is a, there's a thing, there, there's something about a person's office that is kind of his domain. Yeah, it, it's home field it, advantage. It's home field advantage, and it's also, it's also like you coming to my house Mm-hmm. to tell me something harsh. I it, it, there there's this there's this invisible wall there that that's going to make it more difficult to have the conversation. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's just the way humans are wired. Mm-hmm. So going to a neutral place that's s- private but but neutral is a is a much better way to be uh for them not to be on guard. Yeah. And I would also say give them a hint of what you want to talk about when you schedule the appointment. It is a hard thing when you have somebody say, hey, I really need to talk to you. Can can we talk? Yeah, sure, great. I normally will say, about what? Yeah, because about? because because it's not natural for or it's not easy for people to go, I want to talk to you about such and such. Mm-hmm. So I kind of open the door and say, so what's the conversation? Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to tell them the, the issue, but you might just say, listen, can we talk? I just, I got some things in my heart that, Probably a hard conversation, but I really I love you, and I just want to want to you know just mm-hmm. try just try to work things out. That's going to call no matter what you do, they're going to start thinking. But at least you've given them a heads up. Hey, there's something that I need to talk to you about that's going to be tough, mm-hmm. and, and they might actually do a lot of your work for you. They might be going back and going, hey, ma- ooh, remember I did this yeah. or 
Um, that, that's what do y'all think? Maybe I'm wrong in that, but that that's my opinion. That's what I try I, to do. I would agree. I just, hey, what is it about? Just once again, if that question back to that person is on the Sunday morning, even then it's it, it's still not a good time. Yeah, because true. they may start spilling it right then, and suddenly it's a that you're, you're already now you're having the conversation. So, well, I wouldn't um, make the appointment on Sunday morning with them anyways. No, I'm saying if yeah. if they pass you in passing on a Sunday and say, "Hey, can we set up an appointment this week? I got some stuff I want to talk to you about. It's some stuff on my heart." And then you respond. This is a Sunday morning. You respond with, "Okay, yeah, sure. What's it about?" that's probably not the best decision right. on our part because at that moment, because then they're going to start telling you possibly. Yeah. Good answer would be, stuck. I'm struggling with some stuff. Yeah. That yeah. That's a good, good yeah, whatever. general yeah. statement. Yeah. But, it, but here's what that does. I'm struggling with some stuff causes the pastor to not have to wonder so much because I don't know about you, but does your mind instantly go to the worst oh, case scenario when course. somebody goes, Hey, I really need to talk to you. <laughs> you yeah. you go you go to the yeah. worst case scenario and then you start playing the scenario through multiple times. I can create the whole I, I, I don't as much, but I used to be able to I could have the whole one hour conversation in my head before they ever come <laughs> in the room and then they're gonna say and then I'm gonna say and then and then you know get to the conversation, it's not even anything about what I had dialogued in my head. Do you yeah. do you guys this is this is truth here, but do you ever when you get a letter, your heart's your heart kinda drop? before you open the letter? Or do you ever just sit on your desk? Like if you get a letter from a church member, do you oh, just kind of sit it there and just just kind of wait to open it because you never know what's behind that licked seal? I don't know the last time I got a letter, but email, I really? would say, yeah, same. But yeah, if I get a letter, yeah, that's, that's probably serious. I, thought, I don't, yeah, I don't get a whole lot of letters, but emails kind of look at the topic. Yeah. If whatever the topic line... Yep. It's like, whoa, okay, now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you don't even look at it until well, you, until I. I'm no, totally okay. just the opposite, I, though. I'm, I'm like, you want to write one? Oh, I, 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 I can't think about it. I put, put, put them up. Put them up. Put no, them up. No, I just want to deal with it now, but get it done with yeah. anyway. Sorry, I interrupted. So, pastor, you need to have a con- hard conversation with him. We've, we've we've really gone around the bus here, which is a good thing. I think we've had some good solid stuff. Uh, if I can try to recap, help me do th- with this. Don't do it on a Sunday morning, please. At all, morning before or after. Make an appointment. Make an appointment. Uh, if you can, tell them a little bit a little about, about what it. you're going to do. Yeah. Try to be on a new in a neutral place. Yeah. Um. So, if it's a preference issue, may or may not be worth having a conversation about. If it's a deep sin issue, probably not a single person conversation. That's mm-hmm. probably another elder or. With um, you now, people will say, "Oh, but Matthew says if your brother sins against right. you, go." Yeah, but that—that's I think that's different than a brother who than a pastor who sinned in a, in in a, in, a, in in something because. So, let me. This one's harder because if it is a deep sin issue, if it is like for sure, like you're caught, like it's it's bad. That's one. That's one. But if it's like I perceive, Pastor, that you are, True. you know, and it, that's different. I mean, so because your perceiver could be often, you know. So it, I saw you at Panera Bread with another woman. Th- that, that may don't, that may don't, be. So yeah. Now don't bring in three people. On I agree that with one, you because now you started right. a gossip thing. So it, this one's a little harder to flesh out for me because that woman was your sister, but I yeah, didn't know yeah, that. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Actually, that very scenario like happened literally to your me sister. years ago. Oh, did it really? Yeah, years and years ago. I forgot about you. You, just you said were accused that. of an improper. Not, not really. Somebody <laughs> kind of jokingly said, I said, that was my if sister. If you're in Alabama, you know? that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, woo. But, um, Sorry, Alabama. So, yeah, that that's. Um, yeah, I, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't. Yeah, you could be completely wrong on the whole scenario. So, but if it's a, if it's a big bad sin, <laughs> they're all sins. But that's different than. So what if you elders. just sense an ego? What if you what what if what if you sense um, a, a, um, an unteachable spirit? So I, what if you have the gift of discernment? That's what God's given you, and the Lord has shown you that okay. there's. I firmly believe in the body of Christ. I firmly believe that uh, that. We that every believer is anointed. That that we, I think that's biblical. You know, First John I think says it, that we are anointed. We're the royal priesthood. So their opinion does matter. Um, now, I, just honestly, I'm gonna if somebody comes to me with that specific one and says, "Man, your ego is just," I'm gonna weight <laughs> that with, with. They wouldn't say it that way. I hope. Well, whatever this. I mean, yeah, they wouldn't be that blatant, but. Hopefully, if they're coming even with the right attitude and the right spirit and all, I'm going to take that differently from different people. I mean, just to be honest, like to where I know that they are in their walk. Um, but if I know that this is a person that I believe is walking with the Lord and they're pretty faithful and they've got my best interest, we're approachable. We're going to listen, you know, and, and we may be a little defensive because we're human, but we're going to listen. Um now, if it's random church member XYZ that hasn't been in a month and they're just wanting to pick a fight, probably not going to listen. So You know, posture makes a big difference, too. For instance, if, if a cop has his hand on his gun, he hasn't drawn his gun, but you know he can, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're on edge. As opposed to if he comes by, or if he comes with a ticket book in his hand, you're on edge. Hmm. But if he comes and he's got a donut in his hand, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. There we go. That's for you, Bama baby. Yep. But but really, I mean, if he comes and it, he and his and he's got a relaxed posture, you're not as nervous. So when you come in and you talk to the pastor yeah. or a pastor, how you come in makes a difference. And I will say this too: don't come in and shoot the bull for thirty minutes. Right, because go, we get, know that you're there for something. Go ahead and get to it. Just yeah. my suggestion. This this is me. Maybe y'all are different. I want you to come in and say, "Hey, thank you so much for meeting meeting with me." Listen, I want you to know that I respect you and I love you and I care about you. But man, there's there's some things that I just I need to get off my chest. If we can if we can just have a hard conversation. It's a great start. Boom. Because yeah. then I don't have to be there and be anxious about what's right. going to be said. Right. You're just spinning the wheels for the first twenty. Do you like it that way, Brent? Or do you like to be caught off guard? <laughs> Get to yes, the point. I love it. Bring yeah. it off guard. No, um, yeah, I, I don't like beating around the bush. Same breath. It's hard to have co hard conversations, but we've we've all done it. Everyone, I think, in life, as you mature, you have more hard conversations, and I replace some of them in my mind occasionally mm -hmm. when I hear somebody's name and I, I think about that one hard conversation that I had, or multiple hard conversations, and they're not easy, and. It's it's better just to bite the bullet, so to speak, get it done, do it in truth and love, and should not sugarcoating it. I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the receiving and on the giving of the hard conversation, and um, in the moment, the receiving's the hardest. But 
to this to right now, I can honestly say I'd rather receive it than to give it. Mm. I mean, it's because um, I've received, and not that it's easy, but man, having the hard conversation, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to give them. It really, it really is. is I, hard I to have, give them. I've had so many secular world and church world. I've yeah. had you know, in, back in the secular world. I remember instances where, in different management positions, I was required to fire somebody because my supervisor up in mm-hmm. you know, Timbuktu called down and said such and such employee needs to be fired, and it was on me to do that. Hmm. And and walking out and calling them in the office and having to have those hard conversations. Yeah. Those are extremely extremely difficult. And no matter what the hard conversation is, it's hard because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's a Secular issue, social issue, yeah. something to deal with with the church world. Hard conversations are hard, yeah. and so taking taking responsibility and approaching it in truth, but ultimately in love, is is the vital part of it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So we're here up against the clock here on time. Um, I think it's safe to say that. As a pastor, receiving criticism, hard news, confrontation, whatever it might be, it's it's never easy. Because I, I believe that the majority of pastors genuinely want to, if not actually do, love their people. You know, we, we take this as a calling. Um, and it's a high responsibility that we don't take lightly. Because, honestly, we know that God is going to hold us accountable for what we did with who he's who's who with who he is entrusted into our hands. And so we want to be teachable. We feel like we are teachable, but um but we're also human. And so my response, I try is to listen and see like you said, one of you said Brenda Kevin, where's the truth in this? How much truth is in this? How much is just perception? that really it's my fault because I haven't done a good job at giving the right perception, maybe. Um, and then how much how much is just totally not on me? Because I'm not going to own what I what I shouldn't own. I'm not going to own what's not mine, but I do want to own what is mine. We're almost out of time. At the risk of sounding like the guy that's begging for the compliment, because I'm not saying that, um, to the listener out there that maybe you're not even one of our church members, you go to another church, encourage your pastor. Um, he's going to be much more apt to listen to the hard conversation if you've been an encourager. He knows you love him. Um, so this whole conversation this today, because the topic has been about how to confront your pastor. My fear is that we're going to have about eight emails each next week. <laughs> <laughs> Appointments all week long. You know, hey, Since um, you like to read them, I'll forward them to you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll set up appointments. But um, be be an encourager just as much. Um that's that's it. That's all I got. Funny you mention that because that is our next podcast. Well, there you go. We were going to do journaling, but I wrote down uh, when we started this, how do I bless my pastor? Whoa. This is not going to be a self-serving conversation because we recognize that the thousands of you out there listening go to all kinds of different churches. And if you can bless your pastor, yes. that'd be a good thing. And it's about October anyway, so it's about the time we start thinking yeah. about that. So let's sign off now, and we'll come back on the flip side with how to bless your pastor. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between.
you want to know more, check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.